everyone, and welcome to the Humanity of Leadership podcast, a modern-day approach to human-first leadership. Hello, everyone. I am Narjas. And I am Amber, and we are your kick-ass leaders, coaches, and hosts. We want to make this podcast where we could take the subject of leadership as we have always known it and level it up with a touch of humanity. Yeah, Amber, I wanted to tell our listeners what we are here to do best which is to have those real life conversations with you, amazing people and leaders and managers out there, where we will riff a little on what we believe leaders need to let go of and learn to lean into by embracing what I call those must-haves that today's employees and teams are seeking. So join us as we talk strategies, share tips, skills, and offer different perspectives to break down those stigmas on what makes it hard for leaders to show up as a full-on human for their teams. Absolutely, Narjis. And we believe that kick-ass leaders are intentional, driven, and focused on the power of the whole person experience in the workplace. Our hope is to inspire you to explore and level up your leadership approach in your life and business by modeling this humanity of leadership through coaching and in sharing our own vulnerabilities with you as we talk all things leadership. Let's dive in. Good morning, Narjas. How are you doing today? Hey, Amber. I'm doing very good today. It's sunny. You know what? I have to tell you, I woke up this morning and uh, I decided I'm going to turn right back around, get back underneath the covers and stay there. <laughs> it was one of those mornings where it was a sleep in kind of day. Mm. And uh, yeah, and so I have so much on my plate, but I looked outside, the sun was shining in. And I thought, no, today, I'm going to make a conscious decision that it's a me day. I got up, you know, got got, you know, my casual wear on for my Sunday morning, and decided to just get outside and uh, walked around barefoot on my grass. Everything is so green here. My trees are full. The birds are chirping. And uh, I spent my morning coffee outside. And so I am good. I am ready. I'm feeling full. And I'm oh, here. How about you? That. I feel like we must all be on the same wavelength because I do a 15 minute meditation every day. And usually I do it inside with my incense and I will do journal as part of it. And today I was like, you know what? I took my tea and I sat on my patio. <laughs> the sun was on my face. I listened to the birds and it was just that kind of a morning where it's like the details and the sunshine. Anyways, it was beautiful. Yeah. So it sounds like we had a very similar morning. Woo, we're here. Good. Now but our Sunday mornings are getting even better because we are so excited to have a very, very special guest. She is a dynamic human, and I am going to introduce you all to her now. We have Lynn Abate Johnson, and Lynn loves building community for conscious brands. She is a business consultant and digital marketing specialist who thrives on growing relationships at scale to generate raving and loyal fans, and she does this very well, might I add. She does this by creating content that draws people in to learn more. She's also an author with a book to be released this in the fall of this year, 2022. Her book and the website that accompanies it is a tool to help family caregivers navigating life-threatening illnesses with the love and logical systems. In her everyday life, Lynn enjoys functional movement practices, roller skating, walking, and bicycle riding along the Strand in Oceanside, California, where she lives near the beach. So welcome, Lynn. We are so excited to have you. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. And thank you, Amber and Narjess, for having me. It's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful morning at the beach. And I'm kind of having the same vibe. And after this, I'm just going to go and do nothing at the beach later. Oh, oh my Amazing. gosh. We love it. And we're so excited you're here. And one of the things I just want to throw this out here as everybody, as we begin this conversation, Lynn is the master at bringing deep love, but also comedy and lighthearted uh, perspectives to conversations that are quite difficult and can be heavy. So, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. This conversation is going to involve grief. It's going to involve death. And so if that's not the thing that you're looking for today, we totally understand. Take that space. But this is going to talk about Lynn's personal experience. And this ties into the book she's releasing. And I've, I've seen her website, which is live now, right, Lynn? Yes. Yes. Um, so 
this episode may come out before the book is released. However, um, and we will circle back and it'll be in the show notes, but check out this website because it is incredible. So we are excited to dive in with Lynn about her experience that involves grief, grief passing, and just kind of how that played into her, because this was a long journey for her and we'll, you know, let her jump in and go from mm-hmm. there. But it talks about kind of an extended period of caretaking as well as the grief of the passing. So Lynn, will you kind of dive in and just give our listeners a little bit of background about your story? Sure. I, you know, the piece that's relevant for our conversation today uh, revolves around me um, being a caregiver when my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2011, um, early 2011. And um, what happened subsequently was that she she defied the odds. She defied all the statistics and she lasted for six and a half years. Wow. And so she died on May 1st, May Day, 2017, um, with um, my youngest sister and I right there with her in her bed, mm. in her big bed. My mom was a tiny little woman and she had this giant like we always used to call her Princess and the Pea because she had this giant <laughs> king size bed that was super fluffy and you know she was uh, she was a stickler for like the perfectly made bed with mm-hmm. all of the fluff. So yeah, it was a it was a long journey and um, I learned about the grief process actually kind of before that I was interested in it and I knew that there were books on the subject. Um, but you know, you never are prepared for anything like that until you go through it yourself. Of course. So even though like I'm, you know, I'm writing this book and I've published the website to help other people, it's still, it's never going to be enough, right? Because you have to be in it to really understand it and really absorb, I think really absorb the lessons for yourself. So my perspective about grief and death and dying back then when my mom was diagnosed was um, that it's gross, like Mm -hmm. sick people, you know, especially like cancer or other illnesses like that. It's just like, it's gross, gross. And I, I believe it or not, I have been in the past a germaphobe. And so like hospitals were not places where I ever wanted to go. And so I was very resistant to having to deal with something but then when my mom was diagnosed I I couldn't say no yeah there's no way I was ever going to turn my back on my own mother um fortunately and and I realized this is not the case for everyone um I did have a relationship with my mother Mm -hmm. um she was very strong and I'm the firstborn so we would butt heads and we would disagree and we were very much alike and so, and I used to joke and tell her that I got all of her best features and <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to boost her, her up a little because she used to, she used to kind of stare at me like she was admiring a masterpiece or something. And I would just feel oh. so uncomfortable with that. Like, ma, stop, like stop. <laughs> I, I joke with my parents too. I'm an only child. And although they tried for several years to have more children, I ended up being the only one. And, and they, I always, like I said, you know what, anything else would have been a disappointment. You used up <laughs> all of the best. Me, and so I just was the perfect mixture. And so this is what she got. That's so great. That's yeah. so great. When my yeah. mom, after my mom died, um, we had hospice that came in. And just helped guide us because none of us had ever dealt with uh, any kind of catastrophic illness before. We we didn't have cancer in our family, um, although my mom had the BRCA2 gene. So there could have been cancer. Mm-hmm. Like one of her parents carried the gene, but n- neither one of them ever got cancer. So that's a whole lesson in itself um, about genetics but um, and epigenetics. But um, we didn't know anything. And when hospice came in toward the end, it was really great. Like, oh my gosh, amazing. I I will forever be grateful to all of those medical professionals over all of those years who helped guide us through, even when when they were guiding us and it didn't make sense. And that uh, sometimes we even knew more, we instinctually knew more. So there's a lot of energy that gets, that gets sucked up 
right, in that process of caring for somebody and then ushering them out of the world. Like my mom birthed me, right? And then I felt like I midwifed her out of the world, right? And Ooh. with my little sister. And um, do you want to hear a, just a quick little story about when she died? Yeah. Cool. Um, so my sister and I woke up, we were staying at her house and my sister was sleeping in the bed with her. I came in from the other room and it's like, is she still breathing? Is she still here? Mm. And every morning it was like that, like, how is she hanging on? Mm -hmm. So my sister was playing some soft music in the background, just on her phone. And it was just a random playlist. And, um, there was a song by Barbara Streisand playing called I Am a Woman in Love. And that song was playing while my mom was taking her final breath, which we didn't know at the time. Then she did take her final breath. And then the next song that came up on the playlist was Andrea Bocelli singing Time to Say Goodbye. Holy crap. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Can you stand it? I no. mean, that my sister and I just looked at each other and smiled. And it was like, one of those ethereal, beautiful gifts of a moment on May Day, right? Which which in, in our family is a big thing, you know, when everything's blooming and my mom was big into roses. And so fast forward hospice, you know, comes in and um, pronounces her dead. And so that, you know, it, which is a really great idea, by the way. And um, apologize for the motorcycles on the highway. <laughs> And um, the, the counselor, so they provided free grief counseling for us. And the counselor had said to me at one point that she noticed that I had done some anticipatory grieving. Mm. And I didn't know that was a thing. I just had, I had six and a half years, which a lot of people don't have, okay. to m come to terms and make peace with your mom's out of here. Like, you don't know exactly when, but she's out. And right. so it was yeah. good. It was good to have that. Um, yeah. And so I think that there's some really awesome pieces that we can dive into. If we can rewind a little bit, can you take us back to the moment when she was diagnosed? So I, I when I was thinking about this episode, I thought Lynn is such a, the perfect person to talk about grief in the workplace, but I think there's actually some really interesting key tidbits mm -hmm. kind of going back before that actual, like have like the true grief once her passing starts. So when she yeah. gets diagnosed and you had said, I was kind of a germaphobe, I didn't really have experience with sick and dying people. So mm -hmm. what was the getting that diagnosis like? And then how did that impact you know, you as a person, but then also you as a person in the workplace. Can you kind of talk about what that looked like for you in that moment? Yeah, it was a shock, obviously. And, you know, I think out of our kind of white privileged little bubble, I always I can look back on this now that I've learned in the last couple of years about how I grew up. And it was one of those things like, oh, that's never going to happen to us. Like, we're, mm. we're never, we're never going to have to deal with that. I, I, and, you know, just as an empath feeling so much for other people to go through it. And then it was presented to us like, oh, your mom has cancer. So I thought all of these things kept running through my head. One thing was, what am I going to do without my mom? Mm -hmm. um, and how am I going to, how am I going to carry on in my life without my mom? And she was one of my biggest business advisors. And um, I was working at a Silicon Valley startup, internet startup at the time. And so I was working mostly remotely and I had to go into the office a couple times a month because it was, it was a long drive from my home in Northern California to drive into Sunnyvale. And so, you know, right then and there, I made up my mind that I was not going to share what I was going through in my personal life with my workmates mm. or my or the people that were in charge and that I, I was reporting to. I, at that time, you know, I had been there probably about a year and I didn't have the kind of trust or the kind of relationship culture such a difference from what so from where I am now because now I'm with a 
company that's actually a relationship company, right? A leadership company. Um, but back then it was very um, kind of dark ages. And the, the three guys that founded the company just, um, well, one of them was a deer. He's the one that hired me. The other two were kind of unaware. And um, it, I, I just feel, I felt like they weren't approachable. And mm. so, and I didn't want to be judged about my work performance. I, I mean, I knew I was a rock star. I knew I was doing a great job and I knew I could still do it because I thought, well, Lynn, you just have to compartmentalize. You just have to be more like a man, right? And step into like separating your emotions from your daily work life. And so I would just, and, and also back then I had a very, very, um, unhealthy view about um, <laughs> fake it till you make it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I used to, that kind of was a mantra for me back in the day. I used to be in sales and, you know, like show up all sunshiny. And what I've come to learn now is a little bit of kind of toxic positivity, like, mm. you know, put on a happy face, act like nothing's happening, act like nothing's wrong. And it's just very inauthentic. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't tell anybody what was going on. And um, well, there were one or two people at work that were had become friends. So I told them, mm -hmm. but I, I was working in hospital rooms and waiting rooms and, you know, all of, all of the places where you go when you're taking care of somebody uh, who's just been diagnosed and then going through chemo and all mm -hmm. that, like, you just have long days of sitting around. I, I could do that just fine. I had my laptop. So I feel like I didn't, I didn't want to miss a beat and I didn't want to show any weakness. Yeah. Mm. That, and I think that that's such uh, I mean, there's so many nuggets of wisdom in that response. So mm. first off, thank you for being so transparent, but I think yeah. there's a lot of the, you know, some of this like transparency, I didn't want to show weakness because I didn't have, you know, one, I was in this kind of toxic positivity. And that was something that you had kind of been in the workplace prior. So I think that that maybe not as much was impacted by the leaders, but the fact that the leaders weren't, you hadn't built that trust with them. They didn't seem approachable. It, and yeah. I think what happens a lot with leaders that kind of have this, I call it old school leadership mm -hmm. or old school management where they they don't really care. They don't show it. They're like, we're here to work and that's all we're going to talk about. Whereas Nargis and I talk a lot about like the human first approach to leadership is that we are whole people. And even though we have been taught to compartmentalize, mm -hmm. that's actually, it's, it's can be very, very unhealthy for yeah. your mental health, your physical health, your performance in the workplace and all the things that are happening besides even just that event, right? So like you had relationships and partnerships and a lot of other things that were taking a hit, I would assume, by having to compartmentalize that really big part of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, this reminds me so much of the old saying, I don't know if you two remember this, or at least back in my day, there was this mindset of you leave your shit at the door when you walk in. Do you remember that, that whole, what's happening outside of your work stays at home, stays on the other side of the door. And it, it's so counterintuitive. It's so opposite of what we really need to be, you know, uh, doing, which is opening that door and understanding that when you show up to work, there is shit happening. There is stuff going on. We all have stuff. And so rather than having an, you know, an environment that says, okay, well, come on through and let's have some time together to clear. Let's have some time to maybe address what is present here and then help you get grounded for the workday. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's unfortunate, Lynn, it sounded like you didn't feel safe enough or have the, the culture that sort of supported that at a time that was so, so uh, obviously very sensitive. So yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's creating that culture, um, you know, for leaders and managers to create a culture of authentic authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. Where compartmentalizing really doesn't work. It's really not welcome in, you know, 
in the newer, like we've said, the modern leadership cultures, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I learned that um, just in just actually last year, I heard that from my COO. I'm uh, with the Coactive Training Institute, and I uh, I'll never forget this conversation. We you know we were doing our one on one meeting. It was on January seventh, twenty twenty one. So <laughs> I was you know, shaken, like most of us were about what happened on January six. And so I showed up for this meeting and, and he's like, Yeah, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. Like, you know, all <laughs> sunshiny. And he's like, mm, No, no, you're not good. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, when you can see somebody on a zoom call, and this is really important in our company culture, is that everybody has their cameras on, right? And so he talked about that and he said, Lynn, don't you see compartmentalizing doesn't work? We want your whole self. Mm-hmm. We want you to bring your whole self to work. Like our, our mantra is work well and in wellness. And mm-hmm. so we can't do that and we can't transform our communities and our and our larger systems in the world without being you know that leader within right without having that sensibility that we are everything we are full of rage we are empathetic we are sad we are happy Hmm. and yes we're still we can still be rock stars in what we do yeah that's right I I love what you're saying like creating room for the spectrum of emotions and you're not mm-hmm. nobody's all this way or all that way all of the time like that's just not yeah. true of the human experience yes um and so now looking at kind of the so you get the diagnosis and mm-hmm. you at this point you're you've made this, the decision i'm not telling the leaders right now at least um i don't have that trust established or the culture isn't supportive um, and so then, you know, what did those six years of the, you know, kind of the caretaker role that was such a big part of your life, mm-hmm. you know, was there an evolution in what you asked for from your leaders or how you kind of started showing up to work as you kind of adapted this other um, responsibility in your life or what did that look like? Yeah, there was never an opportunity really because that company, not surprisingly, they didn't make it. Mm. And so they went under and, um, you know, so I was back out on the market and I, I actually, as an entrepreneur, I, I took some time off, um, to be more available for my mom. Cause you know, we had, we, I always call it the roller coaster, right? So we had some downtimes and we had some uptimes and during the downtimes is when I really need to be re needed to stay at her house all during the week. And, um, I, I kind of learned over time that this was, this was real shit happening in my life and that I was going to have to figure out ways to lead as the firstborn in my family and somebody who was actually over responsible, which is something that I work on every day Mm -hmm. with my own coach. Like I work on being over responsible with my own coach and I think it's important to have, like I did hire a coach at the time who unbeknownst to me, I didn't even know Coactive Training Institute existed back then. Um, But come to find out that the coach I ended up hiring was um, actually a friend of mine that I met at a networking group up in Northern California. And she had been coactively trained. (laughs) Oh, no way. I didn't find this out until years later. And um, when when I found out about Coactive, she really helped me with my own leadership journey at the time and helping me to discern what was true in this moment mm. and what I was spinning about, you know, emotionally. So those were tools and I recommend this for every leader, every manager. I mean, you know, coaches need coaches, consultants need coaches. You know, I've always been a business consultant and I've I've recommended you know, that people create a team of coaches, advisors, mentors, you know, people to help as they're growing yes. their businesses, right? Yes. So it, 
you know, sadly, it didn't have, I, I have a feeling um, that if the culture had been different at this company where everyone was welcome to bring their full selves to work, um, I have a feeling there would have been a much different mentality, you know, for the company as a whole company um, because they had a great concept. So it's still kind of a shame, you know, that it didn't grow through that that piece that we're talking about that's so important, which is just, you know, how to be with the whole person, mm -hmm. how to be with the whole person. I mean, that I guess is kind of a newer thing. And that's why we're calling it like modern leadership, right? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, what you're highlighting so eloquently is what is the cost of not evolving leadership right now? Mm -hmm. And so this was a few years ago, but mm -hmm. the cost was this startup essentially. And yeah. in your experience was just a piece of this, but had that been involved yeah. and incorporated into, you know, engaging trustworthy, um, mm -hmm. authentic leadership style yeah. and culture and like a sense of belonging, I think is a really big one yes. that comes along with this type of leadership. The cost can be a really good idea, the entire company, entire divisions of companies. So that is something that every leader, whether you're in a startup right now or a very well-established, huge corporation, the cost is really high. And so that's, and I think that's a huge part of our come from is it's worth it to invest in your people. It's worth it to spend time learning how to level up your leadership skills in this way because ultimately the cost is too high it's not worth it um yeah you're exactly right i love how you're talking about having a coach in that moment so can you kind of elaborate a little bit on what your leadership like how your leadership grew expanded or changed by having a coach like in that moment yeah, I mean, it helped me tap into, and there's a lot of talk now about, you know, we can only help transform the world to the extent that we work on ourselves, to the extent that we have that the, the leadership, you know, and Coactive has five dimensions of leadership. So that one dimension of leader within is, is it's everything right now. We cannot be available to help guide, lead, mentor, bring the best out in other people when we're feeling like shit, you know, mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. ourselves. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I'm talking like every facet, you know, like, you know, when we would do our check-ins, like, how are you in your mind, your body, your spirit, your heart? Like, where are you right now? And Narjess, you talked earlier about clearing um, mm -hmm. I highly recommend for leaders uh, a book called Sacred Commerce. Mm. Um, it sounds woo-woo, but it was written by the founders of Cafe Gratitude in California. Mm. And they, they teach, and I went to one of their workshops in San Francisco when I used to live up in the, the area. Uh, they teach clearing. So they clear their employees when they show up to work and they find out like, what do you need? It's kind of like in Coactive when we design alliances, right? Like, what do you need to function at your best in this moment? What do you need to embrace? What do you need to let go of? And so those are those things that you don't really think of in running a business. Although my advice to all of my clients has been, you know, because I work in digital marketing and so it's very challenging to translate the humanity, right, of a brand um, online, right? Because the words can get misunderstood. It's just like sending a text. Like, if you wanna have a serious conversation with someone, you don't text them or email them, you pick up the phone and you have, you know, or you see them face to face. So you can hear the smile, you can see the love in their eyes. On digital, you know, it's very difficult. And I've always said, you've got to humanize your brand. You've got to make people feel welcome and inviting them in to do business with you is way more about your humanity than anything else. So, and you're not focused on the humanity of the business, 
you know, and as a human leader, I mean, it's human to human, right? Our friend Brian Kramer is like, he he coined that phrase h to h and i always like to say this is the way <laughs> h to h this is the way this is it oh my god yeah. and yeah. you know it's it's really not difficult um it's it's only difficult what i say it's difficult in between our ears like it's in our thinking that makes it difficult however it's our natural birthright i think now like now after all of these years of like aging and experience and hard knocks now i can see that being ourselves is a kind of the coin of the realm right that's that's where we want to live we want to live in who we are hmm. you know who we are i i always you know tell clients this it's like your identity is is where all of this starts like who are you for yourself who are you for your company and your community and then who are you for the world like the the world that you are longing to transform mm -hmm. like you've got to start here in in your, the center of your soul mm -hmm. and 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 do that you know that's where that's where it gets challenging and difficult that's where the work is that's right yeah and, and yeah, and I think one of the things that is important is like as leaders, as managers, people in roles that influence other people's experience in the workplace and things like that, you need to start inside. And so Nargis and I have talked an episode about expectations and we look at internal expectations. So there's a lot of ways in which to go through and look internally. Um, great to have a coach for things like that. Yeah. But the other piece that you're talking about is like this check-in clearing with, you know, team members and things like that, but it's very simple. It's very. like, how are you today? What can I help provide mm -hmm. a safe place for you today, a thriving place, a soft space? Like, and we all come up and we talk about that spectrum of emotions and it's a really simple way. Like this isn't, Hard. And this doesn't take a long time because sometimes we're like, oh, I don't have the time. I'm like, this can be five present moments with somebody. You won't even imagine how much that means to somebody. And the this is a way in which you connect and create trust with the people around you. Something that I'm assuming, I don't know why, but Lynn, you're that company at the time. I don't think any of this was happening, like check-ins. No like honest, truthful conversations, creating a space that would make you thrive, things like that. But now having the experience and learning from others to do this, it's like, this is an accessible way. So think whether you want to go and read sacred commerce and, it, or you think it's too woo woo or whatever, but like, this is a really practical takeaway to check in with your team quick, simple, but so effective in creating that space that you know, we've seen it in a great resignation, like people are calling for this. People are screaming from the top of their lungs saying, this is what we want. This helps our mental health. This helps us feel like we belong. This is how I will be engaged. People are saying that we have the data, we've had conversations. So very simple, very effective way that leaders, managers take this with you and start, start small, start with the person you connect with the most. If you're a little scared or a little nervous, yeah and try it out and see and you'll evolve your own style in this too right yeah. from the business perspective i can see you know in because i built lots of businesses over time and helped others build businesses and i can see that it's it's almost um contraindicated right like you're not gonna what i'm gonna sit there and have a conversation with somebody who shows up to work or shows up to a meeting i'm gonna ask them about their personal life that that just doesn't seem that doesn't seem right like aren't I being intrusive or it's like no like you're caring about the human that's right in front of you and if I can't even imagine how more companies would grow and thrive mm -hmm. and and last you know be able to scale if they could scale relationships and mm -hmm. Um, you know, what I do for a living, you know, in being online and, and, um, leading communities 
it's all about scaling relationships. And yet it's one of the most difficult things for digital marketers to do mm. to scale relationships. Like how do you do that with communities of hundreds of thousands of people around the world? Um, I yeah. mean, right now, you know, CTI has 125,000 followers around the world on four different social media channels. How do you keep up with that? How do you help those people feel welcome and want to refer their friends and their colleagues to you? Well, you do it by showing up yeah. and, and showing interest. And, you know, there's so, so many ways to do it. And yeah. so it's often overlooked because I think that it's counterintuitive. It's not practical from a time standpoint, but like you said, Amber, it doesn't take that much. And yet I think the payoff can be so huge. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I would, I would encourage, you know, leaders and managers and companies um, and even entrepreneurs try it, like try it and you're going to make mistakes. You're, you know, you're going to, it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and that's so let it be yeah, yeah. i yeah. always when i tell like when i start you know talking to a new client i'm like i actually i my job is to push you and i hope you feel a little awkward i hope you feel a little scared i hope you feel a little comfy at times because that's where the magic is and so yeah, yeah trying a new thing yeah it might feel a little awkward it might feel kind of like i don't know if this is my style but you're never going to develop your own style or your own way if you don't try it. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to, oh, sorry, go ahead, Nargis. You know, I was just going to ask, um, I, I got to thinking, you made this conscious decision not to take it to your work. Uh, but I'm just curious if we could take the conversation in a direction to help our listeners maybe gain some perspective on uh, how, how to uh, sort of lean into bringing it into work? Like what would you have done differently if you felt comfortable enough to take it to your work? And what would you have wanted from them at that time? I'm just curious if you could maybe share a little bit so that our leaders and our managers out there can gain some perspective on how to lean into handling that conversation. Yeah, that's a good question. When I had that conversation with myself, evaluating how, you know, how you get the information and then you go, do, 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 do. Mm -hmm. like, this does not compute. This does not compute. Like, how am I going to navigate this? I thought, do I want anything from them? Like, do I want some special dispensation? Do I want time off? And I'm thinking to myself, no, I don't want time off because I don't want my whole life to become being a caregiver for my mom. I need, I love my job. I love what I do for work. I always have. And, um, I don't want to leave that, you know? Mm. So no, I don't want time off. No, I don't really want anything from them. I would say, you know, you have to evaluate it for yourself because nobody knows your heart and nobody knows your um, your capacity to deal with the, the emotions in that moment. So it's up to every person to make their own choice about what they share and what they don't share. It's kind of just like what I, what I advise people on social media to do. You know, that's up to you. What you share and what you don't share is your personal choice. Yeah. And you have to kind of think it through, think it through to imagine like what it would be like if you did share that, what it would be like if you didn't share that evaluate you know use those leadership tools to evaluate it for yourself and if i were to have shared more widely narges i would just say i probably would have gone to the guy that hired me because he was very wonderful and very you know he's still he's he and i share a birthday we're both leos <laughs> and i and i totally trusted him and i don't remember if he was even he left the company before i did Okay. He, he got frustrated, I think, and left. So I would have gone to somebody like that, that I felt a kindred spirit with. And I would have said, look, what do you think I should say about this? Like my mom just got diagnosed with cancer. What do you think I should say? So I, you know, back then I wasn't very interested in asking for help. I was a super independent, mm -hmm. what I thought of myself as being a strong woman, just like my mom, mm -hmm. who would be fiercely independent and not ask for help from anybody. Today, 
I'm a totally different person. Mm. I ask for help anytime, any place. And so if you, do, if you haven't already exercised that muscle, um, that asking for help muscle, I would start there and pick one or two people. And um, yeah, and I think also expectations come into play here. Whatever business you're in, whether you're running your own business or whether you're a, a manager or a leader at a business, you know, managing expectations is no small thing. And um, I think at the outset, you know, of any relationship, whether it's a working relationship or anything else, it's important to, again, you have to figure out your own identity. You have to figure out who you are and what, what you are happy with and not happy with and what your boundaries are. Mm. I mean, it's, it's only in the last few years that I've learned about holding boundaries without feeling guilty, mm -hmm. right? And this goes with family and friends and everything else. So those types of um, tools, I guess, in the toolbox, and this is what you coaches are really helping people with, is to navigate through exercising those muscles of setting expectations, learning about your own identity, um, learning to trust. It's another big one for me in my mm. leadership journey is learning to trust myself and learning to trust others to have my back. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Lynn, what I think is really important that I'm kind of taking away in my own leadership and thinking about different moments is as, as a leader, as a manager, if somebody were to come with this information to me, I think what I would do and what I think would be helpful is to check in with them and say, you know, what do you want asking them and not going, oh, well, last year when this happened, we did this, like checking in with the individual and seeing, you know, is this something that is between us, making sure confidential confidentiality is really clear what is expected in that is first and foremost we hold total confidentiality as coaches so that's something i always want to make sure is important but also like yeah expectations do you need time do you not want time because two different people could have a two very different wants or needs in that like they need more space they need less space um looking at and also perhaps designing in like you know what, I understand that things change, like you talked about, like there were ups and there were downs and there are moments that you needed to be more present and moments where you could be less present and saying like, hey, is this something we can check in every month perhaps and have a conversation? I just want you to know that I care and showing that like coming from a caring space and being like, I want to communicate with you. And also if your boundary is that you don't want to talk about it at all, like this is the one and done, like letting whatever is be like, this is not yeah. a moment as a leader or manager. If somebody's coming to you, this is, has nothing to do with you. Yes. And of course there's things that you need to think about perhaps with the business and things, but there are always options. And I think that that's really important for somebody in a management or leadership position to keep in mind that life, personal life is so dang important. And like, look, your work isn't going to bury you essentially, right? Like you need to connect and keep in touch with the people that matter the most. And as a manager and leader, having that perspective and understanding how you can play a helpful role is, I would say, first and foremost, checking in with them and asking them what that looks like for them, how to be helpful to them. And it's not like, it's not a one size fits all. It's a one size fits one. Every, you could have 10 people and they could all want something totally different. It's exactly true. Yeah. I, you know, I've learned to adapt um, my thinking more uh, to curiosity. So, you know, these last few years, um, interesting, <laughs> and um, to say the least. And so, you know, there are plenty of opportunities to get uh, to get rattled or to be upset. You know, I've had times where my empathy and my rage come in to play. Yes. And I show up to work, right, um, as that whole person. And, you know, I've been known to cry at all hands meetings just because I'm either really feeling loved and, and held and happy or something hits me, you know, that I hear maybe from somebody else who's going through a hard time and 
or I'm just super enraged about what's going on in the world. And so instead of that compartmentalizing as a coping mechanism, now I'm more coping with curiosity. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Coping with yeah. curiosity is right. Let's yeah. co let's cope with curiosity. Yeah, I love it. Ask more questions. You know, um, even with people who I know I have philosophically opposed views with, I'm still curious. Like I I love to have like the real critical thinking type conversations where you know, we're able to express our views without, you know, without thinking somebody else is wrong. And I've learned through my co-active training that there's one way, there's two ways, but there's also a third way. Mm. And so like that curiosity helps us find that third way. And I think as leaders and managers, finding that third way without being like holding on so tightly, mm to the what you think might be the only way um yeah. and believe me this i'm saying it like it's easy it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy i wanted to share if i can i would love to get your perspective lynn so i actually had this uh, the, the situation where i had an employee who uh just very recently got news that her aunt wasn't doing well she was suffering from cancer as well this is a very dear close um, um one of my leads that works with me. And uh, so I kind of, I knew that she wasn't doing well, but she was quickly um, had to almost overnight went into the hospital and didn't, didn't come through and unfortunately passed. So I found myself in this very situation as the leader now trying to figure out and navigate my way and how to be there for her. And even though I come seasoned and experienced in this space of coaching and listening and clearing and all the things that were so, you know, brilliantly trying to uh, get people out there to, to, to lean into, I have to tell you, I had a bit of a moment where I was extremely uncomfortable personally, because we have to remember we as leaders are human too mm -hmm. in this moment. So I just wanted to touch on that, that humanity, that the piece where the leaders in this perspective also go through their own spectrum of emotions in this moment. And I, and I had a moment where I was just like, okay, oh my gosh, like, do I go over and hug her? No, wait, is that just going to make it worse? That's just going to, you know what I mean? Like there was this just in bit of moment where I was like, who do I need to be and how do I need to show up? And so, you know, I, I, I simply just, you know, I really truthfully, what I did was I just went, okay, I'm here for you. And when you're ready, let's talk. And I just simply yeah. didn't say anything else. Yeah. I didn't lean into the hug. I didn't offer anything else. I didn't do whatever. I just let the space organically sort of let it be. And she came over to, to talk to me and, and we, we had a bit of a conversation. I didn't lean into, well, here's the resources available or human resources is down, you know, a couple offices down. I didn't talk bereavement. I didn't talk any of that. It simply was just, let me know when you're ready, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Now, behind the scenes, I have to tell you, I had a moment where I was just like reflecting, oh my gosh, I know what project she's got on the go. I know what's happening. I know how this is impacting her greatly and she's going to take time off. So again, just to touch on the human and the reality piece for the leader, how do leaders balance that? Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose this person for three, four days or whatever it might be. And now I feel overwhelmed, but I still want to be human and be connected to them and help them and be available to them and all of that. Mm -hmm. I kid you not, I recognize that we're going to have to, you know, readjust. I kid you not, a week later, her uncle passed away, the husband to the, the, the aunt. And it was all, again, the whole thing. And at that point, you know, you can't do anything but just simply be for the employee, right? Exactly. So at the end of the day, I think what, why I share this story is to just, I want our, leader, our listeners out there to, to, to recognize this isn't just 
yes, we talk a lot about, you know, being there and being available for our team members and our employees and, and whatnot, but a relationships go both ways. And yeah. we too are human and we too have, you know, have our own uh, emotions that we deal with. And uh, it was just as overwhelming for me. And so I really had to check in with myself. So everything you're talking about, I found myself going to my leadership and saying, okay, I need to clear because I'm going through this. So I just want to offer that out there to say that, you know, when you as a leader are experiencing it with your team members, don't forget that you need that same, you need to access that same support yourself exactly. and, and, and lean into it. Right. So, yeah, yeah, wow. it's overwhelming. It reminds me, Narges, that life is so lifey. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, yes, it just piles on and piles on and piles on. And I am a recovering control freak, just like my mother was. Mm -hmm. She (laughs) and so I come by it honestly. And so I learned through that whole six and a half year journey. And even after her death, you know, how to let go, how to release things that I could not control. Um, And sometimes in a business, because I've been an entrepreneur my whole life and I can I can see the pitfalls of having a project maybe be put on the back burner or having the people who are on the project not readily available. It's like, what are you gonna do? You have to assess, like you sit and you assess like the, the leader that you are and you assess like, what does this person need? What do they need from me? What do I need? What do I need from me? What do I need from that person so that they can get coverage perhaps for this next week, month, whatever? Um, you know, what can I control and what what is not in my control? And so you almost have to like jot it out like on a chart, right? You do. And it's a really good exercise. And I know my coach does this with me is like to write this shit down, like, get it out of our brains and onto a paper so that then we can assess what's possible because for me now it's about okay that sucks so what's possible Mm. and and you can you can only come to that yes possibility thinking through curiosity yes through relinquishing control right through identity like all of it yeah i know oh my gosh the word nimble just keeps popping up in my mind and it feels like modern leadership bringing humanity to your leadership is going to require a certain amount of nimbleness of flexibility that when life happens when shit hits the fan we have to look at the options, write it down, go through this exercise, see what is there. And all of these, you know, these moments of assessment, okay, so this means that or, or whatever is going on, you know, the flow charts and the trees that are you know, <laughs> spreading out. But that is all leading to awareness. And I think when we have awareness is where we come up with solutions. It's where we can actually be productive and create movements once we have that. So without assessing, without being flexible, without that nimbleness, you're not going to be able to come up with, you know, the best solutions and things like that. So thank you so much for sharing that, Lynn. It gave me a totally different perspective. Oh, good. You're welcome. Awesome. Um, Well, Lynn, I know we are just a tiny bit over our time. I would like to ask one more question if I can. Okay, shoot. Um, and then um, I feel like there could be a whole second episode as we could dive into this. This topic to me is so fascinating. It's often taboo in the workplace, especially. Um, but if we look at your website that is live now, so people can go check that out. And we were talking about, you know, when Nargis was in this position and sounds like her company has, you know, different quote unquote resources for employees. Some companies do, but you look at a startup, maybe they don't have an HR department or things like that. What are some resources that you offer on your website or that you could tell people, you know, leaders or even people experiencing that themselves that are helpful or things that you found throughout your experience that you would love to share with our listeners? Well, I know, um, 
You know, on my website, I have resources for caregivers. So it's practical stuff. Uh, okay. Um, and I also have a book list. And the book list is to help um, people kind of navigate before, during, and after of whatever, wherever they are in the process. So mm. there are so many good books. There are also coaches, which I've come to realize over these last four years since I've been with CTI, that specialize in grief coaching. Mm -hmm. um, there's even, <laughs> I thought this was amazing. There are death doulas. Have you heard of death doulas? No. So it's what my sister and I were with my mom, like ushering her out. Mm, my and, gosh. Um, but that's a tangent. That's not, that's not relevant to really what we're talking about here, but getting, you know, coaching through the grief process. And my um, colleague, Rachel Baldi, um, she's amazing. She and Christy Mann founded Uplevel Productions and they're doing some amazing work. In fact, they have the Uplevel podcast, mm -hmm. um, as you know, and they talk about some of these things that are not often talked about, you know, in the workplace and creating a coaching culture and also grief. But Rachel specializes in this. And um, so there are plenty of resources if one, you know, has uh, the curiosity enough to look for them. And also people in their lives, like surrounding ourselves with people in our lives. I, I always call it the Oprah factor, right? It's like Oprah knew how to do one thing, basically, is like establish relationships and interview people and get the best out of people and and bring people's authentic selves to the front, right, up front. Um, but she didn't know how necessarily to run a business or to do any technology that had to do with building the empire that she built. So it's important for us to cultivate those relationships with people who they have experience that we don't have, or they're further ahead in their leadership journey than we are. That's what's always helped me. So, yeah. um, and I'm just gonna keep adding resources like as I find them to that one page in my website where people can go and, you know, it's all free. I just really want to help people. It's yeah. not, you don't make money when you write a book, but it's <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that your caring heart, I am lucky enough to know that firsthand, but I, that really shines through in the work that you're doing in this space is really, it comes from such a deep love and passion to help others. And I think it is so beautiful the work. Everybody go check out the website. Of course, I will link all of this in the show notes. And so you can access that. But Lynn, it also the other thing that stands out that I really want to just say is people that are going through this, whether it's personally or with somebody in the workplace, like you're not alone, whatever process you're in. Is it the diagnosis? Is it that long time, long term caretaker? Is it the actual, you know, true grief process? Is it brief? like whatever whatever stage or place you're in you're not alone and there are so many resources and people and spaces to help give you support in in that time that you're looking for so absolutely i think people now today in this moment are craving and longing for connection more than anything else so talk about kind of a revolutionary idea <laughs> to add into your business model and your leadership approach is add in connection, you know, wherever and whenever you can, it's always going to pay off. It's always going to pay off. Yeah. 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 I think that is a beautiful note to end on. Connection is always going to pay off. I want to thank you so much for spending part of your Sunday with us, Lynn, and shout out really quickly where people can find you. And again, it will be listed. Yeah, it's lynnabatejohnson.com. And then um, there's a link at the very bottom of that, which has lynnabatejohnsonbook.com. And that's my book website. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super fun. And really my purpose in all of this is to help people feel connected and like you said, Amber, that you're never alone. Mm -mm. You don't have to be that strong, independent, do it all myself 
person anymore. If you were like me and you thought you could control everything, you don't have to be that way anymore. Guess what? You have help. You have support. Yeah. You're, Thank you, Lynn. Yeah, there's so many wisdom. I feel like we could go off onto so many different tangents. <laughs> we'll just have to do this again. <laughs> and we will also update when the book is published, we will update the information with that as well. I cannot wait to proudly have that in my hands in a few months Thank time. You. And we are so grateful for you. And thanks to everybody for tuning in today. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are so happy that you joined us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen and tell some other kick-ass leaders you know about us. We'd love to continue the conversation on LinkedIn or check us out online at humanityofleadership.com. Take care and we'll see you next time.